You're listening to the Elevate Podcast, the official podcast of the Coastal LA Singles Ministry, where our focus is reaching up, reaching in, and reaching out. What's going on, Elevate Singles? Good to see everybody. Hope you're having a great evening. I want to have a, uh, we're going to have a little, some, some discussion groups tonight, so I want to go ahead and dive on into the lesson, okay? Get into the Word of the Lord. It is great to be with you guys this evening. Uh, for those of you uh, who, who are new here, want to welcome you to the Elevate Singles Midweek. And this is singles from all over the coastal L.A. area coming together to worship God, to hear His Word, uh, to be in fellowship and connection with one another. And um, my wife and I have the privilege of leading the church in the greater Long Beach area, and we love it. Strong Beach. Um, it is good uh, to be here. That singing was amazing. I love the acoustics in here. This is incredible. You guys, this is like a 150-person choir right here. This is, this is outstanding. I love it. Let's go to God in prayer, and we're going to dive into his word. Father, thank you so much for bringing us together uh, tonight from all walks, walks of life, all backgrounds, all everything, God. And you just, you just bring us together, uh, the mess that we are, and you transform us into your likeness. What an amazing, amazing God you are. Uh, to know that we get to stand in your love, uh, to stand in your grace. Uh, Father, to know that uh, you through your Son, have forgiven us and not treated us, treated us as our sins deserve, uh, we come before you just, just thankful, thankful to be here. Uh, as we look at one another, um, we're just so thankful that uh, you would choose us, that you would want us, uh, that you would want to, u- to use us to impact and influence the world for you and your mission, your plans uh, for this world Uh, God, we are so thankful for your word and how your word provides direction and guidance in our lives. As we study your word tonight, help us to uh, really make decisions in our own lives, to really uh, leave here with some some ideas and some practicals of what we can do uh, to continue uh, contending for the faith as one one man. And uh, thank you so much for Jesus. Thank you for who he is. Thank you for his death, his burial, his resurrection. Thank you that we get to uh, just follow him and imitate him. Jesus is Lord. And we come here tonight to celebrate that. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's look at our Bibles in 2 Peter, chapter 3. I want to talk tonight about what kind of people ought we to be. And we'll see this as Peter phrases it uh, in the scripture. If you're from the GLB church, you probably heard the sermon a few months ago. So as I like to say, repetition is the mother of all wisdom. Think about it. Think about it. I'm just kidding. Anyway, 2 Peter chapter 3. Peter addresses some of uh, some of some some issues in the book of uh, the letter that he writes to Christians, to followers of Jesus. And he gives a great insight that helps followers to understand how they are to live in that setting, in that time. And, and I think that we can apply some of these principles, some of these thoughts to ourselves and to our lives as followers of Jesus today. 
And the issue that I want to talk about primarily is, is a heart issue. It's a purity of heart issue. It, it's the idea that we are not just to do certain things or to not do certain things, but we are to be a certain people. And, um, and it's a really, you know, I think in our world today, uh, people have a very skewed uh, vision and picture and image of what a Christian looks like. And a lot of people have been burned by the hypocrisy of what is known as Christianity in our day to day. And a lot of us, you know, we lose we lose respect, for example, for an athlete who uses drugs to enhance his performance, right? We lose respect for the coach who has the greatest legacy and yet can fall under such a huge, you know, scandal in his life. And then he retires and all we remember is the scandal. We don't remember all the victories, right? I mean, we get skewed by this stuff. And I think in Christianity, it's somewhat similar. I think a lot of people see Christians and look at Christians and say, I don't know if I can believe in that Jesus or in that God or go to that church or believe in organized religion because of what I see, people who claim to do it don't really live it out. And Peter addresses this issue, and, and he, he, makes, he makes a point here, and I want to read, read this together, and then we're going to get into a, a somewhat of a, a story, uh, not a story, but, a, but some of the lessons, teachings that Jesus gives. Second Peter chapter 2 and verse 3, But do not forget this one thing, dear friends. With the Lord, a day is like a thousand years, and a thousand years are like a day. The Lord is not slow in keeping His promise, as some understand slowness. Instead, He is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. But the day of the Lord will come like a thief. The heavens will disappear with a roar. The elements will be destroyed by fire. And the earth and everything done in it will be laid bare. So Peter is projecting out. He's predicting. He's he's casting an image. This is what's going to happen. It's a promise. It's not some it's some cool idea or theory. It's it's going to happen. And since everything will be destroyed in this way, he asks this question. What kind of people ought you to be? Well, I appreciate Peter giving us the answer. You ought to live holy and godly lives as you look forward to the day of God and the speed it's coming. So then, dear friends, since you are looking forward to this, make every effort to be found spotless, blameless, and at peace with him. He helps the followers to see that there's a bigger picture. Jesus is returning. Life is temporary. And with that perspective, he asks the question, then what kind of people ought you to be? He says, this is what, this is what God's people ought to look like. Holy and godly. Now, it sounds simple, but, it's, but, but this idea of holiness and godliness is deeper than quitting smoking. It's deeper than deciding to not sleep around. It's deeper than not using foul language. It's deeper than this. Anyone with a little willpower can white-knuckle themselves out of those kind of things. But holiness, being set apart, being different, being countercultural, 
against the current is it's a condition of the heart. And Jesus dealt with this a lot when he when he when he began his ministry. The issue for some for a lot of people at that time was obedience and doing the right things. As long as I follow these commands, I'm okay. As long as I do this, I'm, I'll be fine. If I don't do this, I'll be cursed. And so Jesus comes and he starts dealing with not the obedience issue, but with the heart issue. He says, and he talks about, he deals with the person's heart, the person's character, the integrity of a person. And in fact, if you read Matthew chapter 5 through 7, he describes the sort of person that will make it in his new kingdom. Have you guys read that, the Beatitudes? You know, blessed be, he starts off by talking about blessed, blessed be the poor in spirit, right? And he talks about this idea that, that the one who is poor in spirit, the one who mourns, the one who is meek, who understands their brokenness, who understands their stature before God, who understands their sin, who understands what separates them, that person, that's the kind of guy that I want in my kingdom. That's the kind of girl that I want in my kingdom. And then he gets to this one, and he says, and he, he talks about your, you know, kind of the, the sin, the sin aspect and the humility aspect. He goes, oh, I missed it. Oh, I guess I didn't have it. Sorry, guys. Anyway. He says this in Matthew 5, verse 8, Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Think about that. Blessed are the pure in heart. Not the pure in mind. Not, not, the, not the white knuckling, I'm going to stay pure. Not that. He says, the pure in heart will have intimacy with God and will see His face. And then he gets, he continues by talking about several well-known laws in Judaism. So he kind of explains it. He says, you know, you, you know that it was said, do not commit adultery. But I tell you, don't look at a woman lustfully. You, you heard that it was said, and you know that it said, don't murder. But I tell you, don't be angry with your brother. And if you have anything against him, or if you know he has something against you, leave your gift at the altar, walk all the way back out of the temple, and get resolved. It's a heart issue. He says, you know that I said love your enemy and love your neighbor, but I tell you, love your enemy. Love the one who is difficult to love without expecting anything in return. And it's a heart issue. And if you're a person listening to Jesus saying this stuff, there's a tension there. Think about yourself. You're on the mount, and you're hearing Jesus say this stuff. There's, I can just imagine sitting there at, at the feet of Jesus as he's saying this, and I'm like, but I've, I've checked it off the list. I've done all these things, and now you're telling me it's deeper than that? And then Jesus gets crazy. He gets even deeper. And he goes after them. He goes after what is seen as, at that time, the norm. 
Look, turn your Bibles to Matthew chapter 6. We're going to read these verses together. So you've got to turn on your Bible or flip over there. Whatever your preference is there. Matthew 6, after he finishes talking about some of these issues of the heart, he gets even deeper into it, into the character of a man and a woman. He says, Be careful not to practice your righteousness in front of others, to be seen by them. If you do, you will have no reward from your Father in heaven. Isn't that such a challenge? We try to do what's right with the hope that someone will notice or that we get some sort of recognition or a pat on the back. Wow, bro, that was a great encouraging card that you gave. Wow, sis, that was, you really are amazing at, you know, serving the poor. I mean, and we, and we get into this need for verbal affirmation. Now, I understand, you know, five love languages, words of affirmation. Uh, that's me. That's, that's who I, I need that. I, we, the, the Bible says encourage one another, right? Build each other up according to the faith, you know, according to the person's need. But Jesus goes deep to the heart and he says, be careful not to practice your righteousness in front of others to be seen by them. If you do, you will have no reward. This is the promise, he says. You will have no reward from your Father in heaven. And all of a sudden, you could hear a pin drop in his sermon. And he continues to explain it. He's like, okay, Jesus, just leave it right there. Don't go any, more, don't go any deeper. Just, just, I understand what you're saying. No, no, I, wanna, I want you to really get it. He says, so, so here's what I'm talking about. Verse 2 says, so, so when you give to the needy, do not announce it with trumpets, as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and on the streets to be honored by others. Truly, I tell you, they have received the reward in full. But when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, so that your giving may be done in secret. And then your Father, who sees what is done in secret, will reward you. And Jesus makes this point that what we're doing and who we are in secret is what matters. And what counts the most to God. We can say good job and thank you all you want to. And we got to do that. But what matters most to God is what are you doing in secret? We got an issue with a lot of Christians. We call, I call them the Facebook Christian. The Facebook Christian is the one that has to post all of their spiritual insight all the time. And it gets to a point where you're like, is this trying to encourage or what do they really want? Because you know that your heart's not that pure. You know you're putting up that little Bible verse and then checking it two minutes later, seeing how many likes you got. Let's get real. You know you're putting up that that spiritual deep inside and, and, and guys, be praying for me. I'm fasting from Facebook. You know you're going there, and, and, then, and, then you, and then you check Facebook just in secret a day later to see how many people liked it. we got to be careful with the Facebook Christian. Because nobody has that pure of a heart to just be like, I just want to encourage the people. Can we get real about that right quick? Do you know what I'm saying? Are you with me here on this? got to be careful with the Facebook Christian. Jesus says to the Facebook Christian, he tells you and me, whenever we're about to be a Facebook Christian, he says, listen, 
God's not even noticing that. He doesn't pay attention to that. Because he's actually concerned more about what's done behind closed doors, in secret, when nobody else is watching. But Jesus doesn't stop. He's got to keep on going. He says in verse 5, And when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by others. Truly I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But when you pray, go in your room, close the door, Pray to your father who is unseen. And then your father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. And when you pray, do not keep on babbling like pagans, for they think they will be heard because of their many words. Do not be like them, for your father knows what you need even before you ask him. It's like, who do you think you are? Father God, dear Father God, Father God, Father God, 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 Father. You ever pray for somebody like that? God, Father, I just pray thank you, Father God, because Father God, because like God, Father, Father God. You know what I'm saying? Can you imagine somebody talk to you like that? Reuben, this is what I was thinking, Reuben. I was going the other day, Reuben, because Reuben, I was like, Reuben, you know what I'm saying? I'm not knocking prayer like that. I'm just saying, I, but I just feel like, man, this is, this is what God's ta- Jesus is talking about. Stop babbling, right? He says, stop babbling because God already knows what you need Anyway, I mean, come on. I wrestle with that sometimes. I'm like, well, why then? Why don't you pray then? Right? Why don't you pray then? If he already knows what I need, why why don't you pray? I'm just keeping it real. I mean, (laughs) I wrestle with that sometimes. But, but, but I realize something. Something I I learned as as a, I think as a teenager, as a college student. It's just how much God wants to listen to our voice. It's like my daughter, Bella, you know, when she was little, or my, my, my daughter, Raquel, or now my son, my, my little baby boy, Jonathan. Just wanted him to, I, I can't wait till he says something. I know what he needs, but man, for him to hear him ask it. Man, that's so cool. When, when Bella first asked me for something, and she was like, you know, I don't know what she asked me for, but... It was the cutest thing. I knew she was, she was reaching for that toy. She was reaching for that cookie. I'm like, ah, oh, I know what she wants. I just want to hear her voice. And so it's helped me a lot in my prayer. Like God just, he knows what I need, but God wants to hear my voice. It's the relationship. It's a heart issue. Go in your room. Close the door. Do what is right in secret when no one else is watching you. And God, who is watching, will reward what is done in secret. And so when you fast, now he goes to fasting. Verse 16. When you fast, do not look somber as the hypocrites do, for they disfigure their faces to show others they're fasting. Truly, I tell you, they receive their reward in full. But when you fast, put oil on your head, take a shower, wash your face, put some perfume on so that it will not be obvious to others that you are fasting, but only to your Father, who is unseen. And your Father, who sees what is done in secret, will reward you. And so Jesus is explaining to his listeners over and over again, what is it that gets God's attention? And what sort of people are fit for his kingdom? Obeying the law was challenging. 
But with a little bit of willpower and discipline, it can be done. The issue for many Christians is not necessarily sometimes obeying Scripture, but the heart behind it. And so my question to you tonight is, what's your secret life like? When no one's watching, when no one's around, what's your secret life like? When there isn't a lot of accountability, when no one's asked you in a while how you're doing in your purity or in your tithing, how are you really doing? Because blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. What's your life like in secret? How's your purity for real? How's your greed like for real? Have you missed a few weeks of giving because you've been out of town but have decided not to give for the missing weeks? And you're just like, well, nobody's going to ask me, so I'm just not going to do it. I'll just keep on, you know, keep on going on like nothing. But God takes note of that. Because the issue is not the actual tithe, it's your heart. How's your evangelism? When nobody's asking you about it, when there's no campaign going on, when there's no Easter service to invite people to, or there's no, like, huge series... Do you still open your mouth? How's your personal Bible study and your prayer life? Really, though, really, 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 though, for real. In secret. In your heart. How's it going? How's your thought life, your perspective? Are you letting God's word provide perspective, or are you letting TV and media and music and movies provide all your perspective and thought processing? I think in our world we can get this way. I'm going to read five minutes, but I'm going to watch a two-hour movie. And then we get all twisted. We get all twisted about gender roles, and we get twisted about what the world teaches about same-sex attraction, and we get twisted about premarital sex, and we get twisted because we read for two minutes but watched a three-hour movie. Or listen to that song on the way to to midweek. What's your life like when there are no disciples around and no one to follow up with you? How about serving? Would you serve wholeheartedly if no one, even if no one said thank you or good job? Because you know that God is watching? Or do you need, like it's a desperate need for verbal affirmation in order to continue serving God? Like I'm not going to serve God because nobody ever acknowledges me. Nobody recognizes me. Nobody says thank you. Nobody gives me a card. Nobody notices. Who cares if nobody notices? God, who is unseen, is watching what is done in secret. Encouragement is important. We all need it. We need to give it to one another. It's a command. But are you content serving because your heavenly Father sees what is done in secret? Paul says something interesting about that aspect in 1 Corinthians 4. He says, my conscience is clear. 
but that does not make me innocent. It is the Lord who judges me. Therefore, judge nothing before the appointed time. Wait until the Lord comes. He will bring to light what is hidden in darkness and will expose the motives of the heart. And at that time, each will receive their praise from God. God will expose the motive of your heart and of my heart. And at that time, each will receive the praise from God or the non-praise from God. You know, you follow me there? You know, in my nature, I know for myself, I, I, I need, and this, is ha- this happens in my marriage with Marina, I, I need acknowledgement and recognition and encouragement, verbal affirmation. Oh, Rube, great job doing the dishes. I need that. I need Marina to do that with me. You know what I'm saying? Oh, Rube, you picked up your sock, even though you should, but you picked it up. That's awesome. <laughs> great job. Do, do you know what I'm saying? You know, there have been times in my life that, you know, even after preaching a message, I'll go home and, like, nobody said anything about the lesson. And, and you get insecure and you get, like, did anybody pay attention? Did I do a good job? And it becomes all about me and not God's word. I pray to God. I mean, the thought that I would need that more than praise from God, that scares me. And I pray, my prayer is that my heart would maintain pure so that I may prove faithful in the trust I've been given and in the end receive. I, I want praise from God. I don't know about you. I love praising God, but man, to, to the idea that he would praise me, that's beyond my thinking. One of the things I love about Jesus and his interactions with people was how straightforward he was in, his cha- in challenging issues of the heart. Not behavior, but the heart. He understood that the heart leads to certain behaviors. And it's interesting that God looks at the heart. God God notices the behavior, but he sees the heart behind it. In fact, Jesus says in Mark chapter 7, he went on, What comes out of a person is what defiles them. For it is from within, from within, out of a person's heart, that evil thoughts come out. Sexual morality, theft. Murder, adultery, greed, malice, deceit, lewdness, envy, slander, arrogance, and folly. All these evils come from inside and defile a person. All of these are, can be seen as behaviors. Deceit, malice, greed, sexual morality, theft. I mean, these murder, I mean, these are action items, right? But yet... Jesus is saying that all that stuff, all that behavioral stuff, comes from within. There's something off. There's something off with your heart if you're constantly deceitful. There's something off. It's not you're scared of what people are going to say. It's, it's your heart. There's something off if you're, if you're constantly constantly struggling with the same sorts of uh, impurity. It's a heart issue. There's something off in the heart when you're struggling so much with greed. It's heart. And it goes back to the question, what kind of people ought we to be? Not what you ought to do, or not do, but who you should be. Ephesians 5 kind of talks about this for uh, real quick. 
Ephesians 5, verse 1. You guys still with me here? It says, follow God's example, therefore, as dearly loved children, and walk in the way of love, just as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. But among you, there must not be even a hint of sexual immorality or of any kind of impurity or of greed because it says these are improper, improper for God's holy people. What kind of people ought we to be? Holy and godly living, spotless, blameless. Sexual immorality, impurity, and greed, he says, a hint of those things. A hint of it is improper for God's holy people. I've always thought about this concept of the hint. I don't really know what the hint is. Because I feel like the hint is actually dependent on each person. And what that person conceives as a hint of impurity. Right? All I know is that a hint is improper. Is there a hint of impurity in your life? In your secret life? Is there a hint of sexual morality in your life? In your secret life? Is there a hint of greed in your life? In your secret life? When nobody else is around? And nobody's watching? Is there a hint of it? I think you need to figure out what a hint means to you. I know for me, back in the campus days, well, not even campus, probably when I was just starting to date Marina, I remember this from the campus days, though. It was this one thing, this one random thing that I remember, I think it was uh, Todd Spath or Tanya Spath. I was with the Spath. I don't know if some of you guys know Todd and Tanya Spath. They were our campus ministers back at UCLA and stuff. And uh, Tanya would always, come, like, just randomly just tell me sometimes, hey, Reuben, nothing good happens after midnight. And then she'd walk away. You know, and I was dating at the time. And I, hey, nothing good happens after midnight. I have no, you know. But I got scared. I got scared about midnight. I'd be at like 11.30 on a date with Marina and be like, we got to go, we got to go, we got to go. You know what I'm saying? That may, that may be kind of weird for you, but for me, for me, that... At that time, that, that, was, that was my definition in my environment of a, of a, and in my conscience of a hint, right? I'm rolling up after midnight to my girlfriend's house to drop her off, and the random brother's praying around the block and sees us. Isn't that what always happens? <laughs> I'm not saying that happened to me. I'm just saying, isn't that what always happens? Because God knows your sin will find you out. Now, I'm not, I'm not casting a rule here. Do you understand what I'm saying? I'm, I, I want you to understand my, this is my thought process. To me, you know, when I was dating, I was, I'll be honest, I mean, I was like weasel date. I was the weasel date guy with my girlfriend at the time. And I remember... Nothing good happens after midnight, and try not to be alone. And I just remember that for me at that time, that was like okay, I need I need to be careful here. 
I need to have somebody with us. I need to have a double. I need to have a group. I need to be in a public area. I need to, you know, we're not going to stay in the car. By our, you know, we're not, we just got to be careful. I don't want there to be a hint because according to this passage, it's improper for God's holy people. And I definitely want to be, not do, but be God's holy people. Is there a hint of greed in your life? Is there a hint of impurity in your life? I have two quick practicals, and then we're going to split up into some D groups here to talk about some of this stuff, okay? How, how do we keep our hearts from disqualifying us from receiving God's reward and God's praise? Anybody here do not want God's praise? Because if you don't want God's praise, you can tune me out. Anybody here not want? I'm, I'm assuming... I'm working under the assumption here we all desire praise from God, a reward from our God. So how do we get there? How can we keep our hearts from disqualifying us? I would say, number one, be honest with yourself. Be honest with yourself. You know... The more real we are with ourselves, the more honest we are with the truth of where we're at, the more aware we can become of the condition of our hearts. Some of us are like, I'm a teenage mutant ninja turtle. And everybody around you is like, nah, dude, you're just a turtle. (laughs) Be honest with yourself. In fact... Paul addresses this issue and he says, For by the grace given me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the faith God has distributed to each of you. Getting a pure heart, having a pure perspective, begins with humility. A sober estimate of oneself. A sober judgment. I used to tell the teens all the time, you know, you're, you are awesome, but you're not that awesome. Do you know what I'm saying? Like, you're awesome, man. I, I, you're, you're a great guy. You're, but you, you're not that awesome. We've got to bring that head a little bit smaller here. Because sometimes, brothers, we can get... <laughs> think that we're awesome. Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle. But no, bro, you're just a turtle. I'm just a turtle. We're all just turtles. In need of God's grace. So stop hiding out. Get real about your sin. Stop ignoring your sinful nature, your need for attention, your need for acknowledgement, and get help to understand and change your thinking to be content with knowing the God that God knows and will praise you for what is done in secret. Be honest about your weaknesses. Pray that God would continue to reveal where you can grow. Be honest about your greed. How is your giving? Is it sacrificial? Is it consistent? Be real. You're a turtle. I'm a turtle. Be honest about your temptation of impurity or sexual sexual impurity and impurity in motives. Are you okay not getting recognition? Be honest. And secondly and lastly, surround yourself with honest friends. As iron sharpens iron, so one person sharpens another. Wounds from a friend can be trusted, but an enemy multiplies kisses. 
confess your sins to each other, pray for each other so that you may be healed. We need honest friends to speak the truth and love to us. We have blind spots in our lives. We need input. When we get to the point where we think we have it all figured out, that's when you need somebody in your life the most. You want to be a man of integrity, brothers? You want to be a man of character? You want to be a great man of character and integrity? You want to be a great husband and father someday? Get some good friends to help you be that and can call you high and speak the truth in you in love. Sister, you want to be a sister, a woman of integrity and a woman of character, a woman of purity? Get some girlfriends around you. We're going to call you out and be honest. You want to grow in your purity and in holy living? Get someone to coach you in it. You want your small group to be more connected and enjoy great fellowship and have great input, impact? Get another small group leader who is more experienced and ask for input and help. Intentional discipling. Our relationships are essential for us to be the people who we ought to be. Holy, godly, spotless, blameless. I do not want to get to the end of my life as a disciple and realize that I lost my reward because I had the correct behavior, but my heart was impure and not engaged. Or that I would disqualify myself because of my weak secret life. Just because I was trying to make sure I saved face in public. Our world today needs men and women who are Christians and following Jesus of character. Who practice what they preach. Where their lives match what they say. And we have a great opportunity to be this light to the world. Not to fall into hypocrisy, but instead to heed Jesus' warnings. So, elevate singles. Let's be honest with ourselves. Let's get honest. Let's get real with ourselves. How's your secret life going? Let's get some honest friends and invite people into our lives. Once you get to a point where you don't have somebody in your life on a consistent basis who is, who is helping and encouraging you and training you and mentoring you and, and just kind of, come on, man, we can do this together. Whether it be somebody who's mentoring you, whether it be somebody who's your best friend and you're walking this thing together, whatever it is, once you stop having that, you become a Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle. At least you think you do. Oh, I'm fine, I'm fine, I don't need that, I don't need that, I'm cool, I'm cool. I got this, I got this, I got this. Oh, it's okay. I, I'm not, I don't struggle with that stuff. I don't struggle. I can watch that movie. I don't struggle. I, I can hang out at that, at, that, at that dance place, that dance club. I, I don't struggle. I can go to that resort and hang out at the pool. I, I don't struggle. I'm cool. Do you see what I'm saying? When you get to that point, you're thinking you're a teenage mutant ninja turtle. No, bro. Sis, you're a turtle. And you need somebody in your life to tell you that. What kind of people ought you to be? Holy, godly, spotless, blameless. But this is a heart issue. What's your secret life like? Second Peter 3, he closes out his thoughts after he talks about this idea. 
And he says, therefore, dear friends, since you have been forewarned, be on your guard so that you may not be carried away by the error of the lawless and fall from your secure position. But grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. To him be glory both now and forever. And the church says, Amen. Amen. I hope this helps tonight. I hope this gives you some perspective. I hope this, this encourages you to pursue a healthy, secret life. To pursue great honesty about yourself and where you're really at. And to pursue honest friends because you may not know where you're really at. You may need some people in your life to share with you, you know what, I've seen this pattern in your life. Here's what needs to change. And maybe being honest with yourself is just saying, I need some honest people in my life. We need to be holy, godly people. What I want to do tonight to close out, um, what I want to encourage us to do is to spend some time in our small group uh, discussion. And this is what I want you to answer. This is the question I want you to, to discuss. How is your secret life? Let's get real about it. Let's just, we got about 30 minutes left here. Let's go ahead and break up into our discussion groups. And let's have this discussion. How's your secret life? How's it really going in the areas of your purity, in the areas of your greed, in your areas of your uh, Bible study, your own personal Bible study, your own prayer times? How's it really going? Like what's God seeing? Not what everybody else is seeing. What does God notice? Now, caution. Caution. I know some of us, have an accused nature. We can feel very guilty. Oh man, I haven't had a quiet time in like 24 hours. And so I'm going to hell. No, we get this way. We have an accused nature. And so I want to encourage you, stand under the grace of God. God's grace is incredible. It's amazing. And if you struggle with, even some of the things that I shared tonight in terms of like, man, I, I'm never going to be holy. I'm never going to be godly. I'm never going to be spotless. I, I just, I give up. If you're struggling and, and wrestling with that, I want to encourage you. Look at the men in the Bible and how messed up they were. <laughs> and yet God puts them in the hall of faith in Hebrews 11. I mean, come on. I wrestle with this. I wrestle with an accused nature at times. And, and I need to remind myself constantly, God's grace is enough. God's grace is sufficient. So I want to encourage you as we have this discussion, you're going to have a little D group, and as you have this discussion, just even if you have to be honest about your accused nation, be honest about that, but, but really strive to stand under the grace of God. To him be glory both now and forevermore. Let's be the people God wants us to be. Let's pray, and then we'll split up into our uh, D groups. God, help us have a great time of discussion right now. Help us to be honest about our secret life, where we're at, things that we need encouragement in and just need to grow in and need to change in our lives and our walk with you. Because, God, we want to be your people. We want to be your people that receive praise from you and a reward from you. Thank you for your grace. Thank you for Jesus. In his name, amen.
Let's go ahead and break up into our D groups. Amen. You've just listened to the Elevate Podcast. For more information about our ministry, please visit elevatecoastal.com.